Hey everyone, this is Chris from the GMR Show. You're going to notice some changes in audio quality during this episode due to some equipment issues that were beyond our control while recording. We were able to work around these and still make the episode we wanted. We hope you enjoy our special episode 11, celebrating 31 years of GMR. Set places, places. We've got a show to make here. Our Chris and Gabe ready. They are. Okay, everyone. In three, two, one, and. Coming to you live from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's the Great Movie Radio Show, a movie talk podcast starring Chris and Gabe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Great Movie Radio Show. This is Chris Schneider coming to you from sunny, well, rainy Orlando, Florida, currently. Um, I have with me today, and this is a a wonderful uh, new thing for us, um, our new co-host. He did episodes four, no, five and six. It was five and six uh, with me and uh, one of my good friends. He has returned because we have decided to have a co-host. I need need somebody that can balance the yin to my yang. And uh, Gabe Jaramillo has taken on the call. Whatever you want to call me. You're... (laughs) (laughs) We're we're the yin-yangs. Oh, man. So, so. Gabe, welcome as our co-host, my co-host, and so you and I get to be the, uh, I wouldn't call it Batman and Robin, because Robin was a sidekick. We're, uh, I don't know, we could be uh, Butch and Sundance Kid. Uh, Thelma and Louise, there we go, we're (laughs) in it together, man, so ah, I'm happy to to have you on the show with me, man, this is going to be wonderful, and going forward, Gabe and I will be uh, interviewing many movie writers and maybe a few non-movie writers that have some wonderful uh, input into the film world. You know, we'll, we'll talk about movie ride too. So we're going to have some fun and it's uh, wonderful to have you on this May 1st. Um, we're recording before then, but today the uh, launch of the episode is actually the 31st birthday for not only uh, Hollywood Studios, but our long lost great movie ride and so our today's episode is celebrating uh the birthday of movie ride and so we've added uh new questions for our guests that involve more of the movie ride aspect um we're still doing around the track and some other things that talk movies um but we're leaning uh, or we're beginning to lean toward the movie ride more and i'm excited about this because i only worked at the ride for a year and this allows us to to touch the 31 years this ride had history for um i mean even though it closed in 2017 it's been around technically 31 years that existed so there's still history there's so many stories to be talked about and you know cps who passed each other in the hallway who maybe talked for five minutes but there's a story there and this gives us the opportunity to to put those out into the world and uh, I've already talked to plenty of movie writers who are interested in coming on and have so many wonderful stories that they've shared with me or just nutshell versions of them that I, I can't wait to, to talk to them um, more in depth with a, I guess we'll call it a two-on-one <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm like... I got to get used to this, Gabe. It's going to be... Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to join, uh, especially on uh, my inaugural episode being the birthday of uh, Hollywood Studios, MGM, whatever you want to call it, as well as the great movie ride. You know, I spent uh, my tenure was a little bit longer than your one year, uh, but I know we have some guests who want to join us who have been there longer. And I think some of the best uh, memories of working at movie ride is talking to those people who have been at the ride for so long and have you know, amazing stories of their time from when it first opened throughout all the way until its closure. So it's going to be really awesome to hear these stories as well as learn about uh, their favorite movies and genres. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you were there a lot longer than I was. And that was one reason why when you said you wanted to take on the co-host gig, uh, on top of the fact that our episodes were fun as, as all can be to record, you you were there a lot longer than I was, and I was looking for someone who had more of a tenure than I did. You know, I only got the experience one year out of all those years of movie ride, and having someone who's had a couple more under his belt, you know, much more than me. So it's it's definitely a pleasure to have you on as co-host, and I'm looking forward to the the guests we're going to have coming forward. Like I said, some of them, most of them, are movie riders. There'll be a few of them that are. Uh, are not, but there are uh, some cool stories behind why they're on the show and what we'll be talking about with them. So I'm very excited about that. For sure. Well, since we're, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, since we're honoring Great Movie Ride's birthday today, um, we've introduced some new questions to our guests that um, talk more about the ride. And you and I didn't get a chance to have these questions uh, when we did your episodes because they weren't formulated yet. Um, so we're going to give you a chance before we get to our guests to, I guess, bring you up to speed on the new stuff for the show. And it gives us a chance to, to like I said, celebrate Movie Ride a bit more. Uh, what positions did you work uh, when you were there? Um, so I pretty much worked all of them. Um, so I was tour guide, uh, gangster bandit trainer for both tour guide and characters. Uh, which is Gangster and Bandit, uh, as well as a coordinator. Um, and I even got to be like the, they called it the super trainers when we did our uh, big TCM update and got to train everybody, which, you know, that was uh, that was fun because I had to learn Torgad, Gangster, and Bandit all in two days while everybody got like separate training for each. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I had a lot of fun. The only thing I wish I would have, done there was hooray for hollywood that's the only thing that i'm i think i missed out on and you're like it was for anybody who worked a great mover and it was kind of just like uh a little i think it was two to four hour training and they would kind of just talk about the history of the ride and the history behind everything and the meaning uh -huh. behind the pictures and each scene and and all that and you kind of just like broke it down i i i don't have the best memory of my entire year there, but I want to say I did something around those lines. So it's possible I did, but maybe not. I don't know. But I, uh, I was always fascinated with the history of the ride. And, and like I said, I don't know every, and I'm okay with that hosting the show. Uh, the fun part is our guests who have been there, the tenure get to bring that, those experiences and that history to us. And so together we can rule the world with movie ride. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how many years did you work at Movie Ride, though? Uh, I, don't I worked there for, it started in 2011. So I would say about, I think it was like f five years I worked there because I left sure. for Animal Kingdom in 2016. So yeah, I worked at Movie Ride for five years. It's crazy. 
That is crazy. That's crazy. And uh, I, yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting you through my year there. I came over from Epcot before uh, broadening my experiences at, at Hollywood Studios at other attractions. So I'm um, glad we are our paths crossed because uh, yeah. You if it didn't, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be here right now talking. It's awesome, yeah. I mean, we still, we still might be, but also, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, what, one thing that I always loved about working with you, though, is no matter what position you were in, you were always a character. And I don't mean gangster or bandit. You were just always... <laughs> you were always like this goofy mother that I would just... I would come into work and you'd be like, Ugh, and I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And, uh, no, no, I always loved working with you. And, uh, I, oh man, I'm just, I'm happy to have you on the show. I really, am. uh, so, but no, when I, uh, when I was thinking of asking the question, I was going to be like, uh, where did you work at movie ride? Well, I was just a character always. That should have been your answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I had variety sometimes, especially during, you know, like Christmas time, I'd be all over the place. I'd start off as a tour guide and then run over to gangster and then, Ah, I a remember couple bandit that. shows and then close the night as the yeah. closing coordinator. So, you know, yeah. who needed? Yeah, you were all over the place, but you always had fun with it. You always, even though you were a goof, you always like had this. I don't know. You had this flair to you, man. Well, th- thanks. I mean, and I think that's what I really liked about Great Movie Ride, and it was different from any other spelling attraction. Um, and I mean, I told this to my trainees all the time, uh, especially when they were learning the script. I was like. You know, the theme of this is the tour guide. This is you. You bring your personality to it. So don't, like, try to make it too extra. But also, you know, like, I don't want you to be, like, wild and, like, crazy and, like, fun backstage and then get on get on a tour and just be, like, very mellow, melodramatic. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a fun experience. It's not like, you know, safaris where you have to give these facts or... Um, uh, Jungle Cruise, where you have to focus on you know, landing these jokes. Here, you you're giving the facts, and you you make it fun, and you make it your own. Where there, you know, it's not as much. Um, I mean, I worked at safaris, and it was very much like no jokes. You give the facts, you drive, you go, and it was like I was like, uh. yeah, I was like, and then that made me miss movie writing more. Like, I miss just like having fun and being able to take the lines we were given. And even after the TCM update, when our lines and our options were cut, like taking mm-hmm. that and figuring out ways, different ways to make it more enjoyable for the guests and make their experience fun. And it's not just, hey, here's Gene Kelly singing in the rain. Literally. Yeah. It was like, here's Gene Kelly singing in the rain. Literally. And just like, just having fun with it. And I think that's why I really enjoyed my time there. Getting to be yourself yet sticking to the script was always yeah. something I enjoyed. And I, 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 I regret it, but I never, I always played around with the idea because uh, we'll talk about it with our guests in a little bit, but I would always do Muppet or at least Kermit the Frog voices around the attraction. And I'm not going to do it now because no, but I, <laughs> uh, me and a few movie writers uh, played around with the idea that I should go around and do a show as Kermit the Frog. And I never did. And I, I have regrets, but I was also like nervous to do it because of like anxiety reasons. But at the same time, like inside, like I really want to do this, but I, I didn't think I could like land it the entire twenty-two minutes. So that's why I never did. And uh, so I have regrets now that it's not around because it's like you know it's not here anymore. One show as Kermit would have been 
amazing, you know? <laughs> so I kind of wish. If When I was there, if I would have heard it as a show observer, uh, which was another position I did, um, yeah. I would have been like, no, cut it out. But after the fact, I'm like, <laughs> now that we don't work there, I'm like, that's awesome. And I may or may not have, like, done that with, like, my gangster shows. And we may, not, yeah. may or not have had, like, challenges where we had to, like, convince the tour guide like convince a message like like hey you want you need to convince them that you have to go to the bathroom and then you know i would do that during the show with them on stage and when they come back the other gangsters are like hey what do you did you realize what was going on with gabe and they're like i think he was trying to go to you need to go to the bathroom I'm like all right he gets a point and like stuff like that but as, <laughs> as a show observer when i worked there none of that happened i was good i stuck to the script i didn't goof around yeah because you, you, you're having to role model that aspect when you're a show observer to the other cast members or else it gets a little too wonky. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, if I do that and then they see that and then I give them a note on something, they're like, well, you did this. And I'm like, I know, but shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when you take those steps, you have to you have to leave a few things behind. Uh, yeah. What was your what was your favorite section of Movie Ride? Um, honestly, the loading dock, because really? just like, so you had, you had the Hollywood Hills back there and it was like the 1920s and it still said Hollywood land and it had those houses of like famous actors and, and in Hooray for Hollywood, you would learn about each house and my memory is terrible and I cannot describe any of them, but each house like was a celebrity's house and they put it there for a reason and it had so much history behind it. And one of my favorite parts was you know, talking about the Hollywood land sign to my new trainees who, you know, either they've run the ride a couple of rides and uh, times and never noticed it, or they don't know what's going on. And I just like talked to them about the history and how they took off the land and it was about to get demolished and celebrities came together and, you know, put on a fundraiser to keep it, you know, going. And just like little things like that, that as a guest, like you don't know that. And, you know, as a trainee coming under day one, you may never even have seen that. And just going behind that in the detail. And then, of course, on the catwalks, the photo of CB. Um, and just having that there to be like, ready when you are, CB. It was something that the guests never saw. Unless they were like diehard and, you know, really dug deep I into did. The, the history. <laughs> I did love that. Probably about 60% of the time, you at least have somebody when you did the, the salute to them. Someone would look back like, who are they? What are they doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one head that turned out like, who? <laughs> and in like, there's, there's even like story behind the CB and like the, the original concept of a ride and like why that line ready when you are CB was there. Yeah. But that's, and we'll, we'll dive into that like another episode. Of course. And, and fortunate for us, we have a shout out to ready when you are a CB on our new website, which yes, I'm plugging. I don't care. We've got a new <laughs> www.thegmrshow.com site built and it launched yesterday as of work or as, as of us recording this and on our homepage, we've got a little shout out to CB on there. Cause uh, why not, man? We got to have that movie ride flair when we're representing. So exactly. Yeah. I, when I, when I asked that or when we formulated the question, I always thought about, what section inside the ride? I never thought about Doc being part of that. So when you said that, I was like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah, you're true. Um, yeah, and to me, like, especially, like, on day two when you would walk the track, yeah. that was, like, the center. Like, 
here's everything you need to know right here. And we're just going to add on to it here. And here's this, you know, like everything was there. And that was like the hub of the ride. I was going to say, yeah, and then everything, you know. Bach is the heart of the ride. Yeah, it's, it's important. But I never like thought of it. You know, I, I'd always thought the question was what movie inside the ride. And yeah, so that's wonderful. I mean, personally, Alien is mine just because I, I rarely saw it because I was never character trained, sadly. Almost. Almost. Yeah. No, I did get it. Almost. And, uh, but I never saw it really. So every time I got to, you know, open or close the ride, wrote the dead shows to close or open or just a dead show, whatever, uh, I, I loved being in that atmosphere or when I would you know, do like oh, the track walk on the opening. Uh, I loved alien. It, it's my favorite horror film. So I, I just loved that, that feel that you're going in and the Stromo is there. Uh, I would have to say if we're counting the entire ride as a whole pre-show was probably my favorite. Cause you walk in and even though those crazy railings that kids would swing and clothesline each other with, uh, <laughs> I loved the pre-show because it felt like I was at an old movie theater, this old classic movie theater. And that, that was wonderful to just walk into. It's like you're going into the Chinese theater and watching a movie. And that was always fun to me. And uh, I didn't even care how much the, the movies would loop. And I loved watching them over and the trailers over and over and over. Yeah. And, and like people, people ragged on the, the new update and stuff, but I, I think to me the pre-show was the best part of the update. Like, Agreed. it felt so much better instead of just like, oh, we're just gonna cut through movies, cut through movies, start over again. It's cut through movies, cut through. They really, when they updated that pre-show, they really dug into like, you know, the history, into the history of the movie and the genres, and they s- separate it instead of just like, yeah, these are some of the, you know, yeah. And they talked about the movies that you're gonna see on the ride and just like all that. It was, I agree. That's a great scene and especially with the update. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you look at how much content they added too, cause the original pre-show was about nine and a half, 10 minutes. And then the update was almost, almost an hour. It was like 49, 50 minutes. That is so yeah. much more content. And, and uh, Robert Osborne, you know, God rest him. He was a wonderful host to kind of, give you this history. And I know a lot of people were upset about the update and taken away on the spieling and all that. But like you said, the best part of the update was pre-show and having that addition, having him explain the movies. And we have both the pre-shows also on our new site, totally plugging it. Uh, we have a history of GMR page that we are constantly adding photos of, um, but we were fortunate enough to receive both videos of the updated TCM pre-show and uh, the classic one. And we're going to be adding more content as the show progresses and the website is continually being built upon. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, do you have a favorite memory of working on the ride, Gabe? Memory or memories? Um, if if you can so give many. us one for now, because I don't want to take another two hours. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, let's see. I mean, just honestly, the the, the easiest and shortest answer is um, just the people I met, like from, you know, people, like I said, from people who worked there previously for years and opened the ride to people that come in and, you know, just meeting these people that were like me. And as a kid, loved this ride and they wanted to make sure that they could work this ride. And, you know, and just the friendships I made, you know, here I am co-hosting a podcast, something like that I never do. 
with you because we met a great mover ride and uh, my best friends, Nicola and Jared, I met them at the great mover ride and they were there for my engagement to my now fiance. So it's just, you know, those memories you make and the people you meet and the stories that come with working the ride is probably some of my favorite memories. I'd have to agree. I mean, I, I wasn't there for your engagement, sadly. But, oh, man, that was that was so cool when you posted. I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I have so many. I'd have to think about it, but this isn't about me right now. Uh, how about any, uh, any cast members or trainers or anybody that we worked with you want to give a shout-out to? This was your – this was your uh, – your question that you wanted to throw on. And I was like, yes, I like this because we get to throw shout outs to people and we haven't talked to in like five years, um, probably. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, shout out to Michael Fagnoli. He was my uh, assessor and uh, somebody I looked up to at great movie ride. Um, he ended up, uh, I worked with him a short time and then he ended up going to uh, work in the training bungalows as part of that. Um, Nicolette, she always, she's the reason why I got great movie ride. Um, I was only working at Muppets at the time and she called the trainer for uh, the training scheduler for uh, Icon and was like, here, tell me you want to work a great movie ride and like put me on the phone. I was like, I want to work a great movie ride. And she like pushed me and she really pushed, she, you know, while I was there, she always pushed me to go for trainer, go for coordinator, go for gangster, go for band, like do all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't have done everything that I did if it wasn't for her. And then uh, last shout out is to my uh, two other super trainers, uh, Melissa Rose Keeley and Jackie Skelton. Um, those you had Jackie were, uh, as a trainer two too. And a half weeks. So you what? had Jackie as a trainer also. No, 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 no. We were uh, we were the super. Oh, trainers oh, oh, oh okay, update. okay. She was one of my trainers. So that's why. I'm... Yeah. Ah, Jackie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to them because during that uh, two and a half weeks of what felt like a year. <laughs> of uh, updating everybody in the ride for the opening of the TCM Great Movie Ride. Uh, those were some rough days, a lot of crying and hugging and laughing and stress. Uh, but, yeah, shout out to you guys. You guys made it a little bit easier. So, yeah. I remember Melissa actually was the one that trained me on the update when we got the script update. And I was laying, laying in dock just like, on, in one of the aisles, the rows to load people, and I'm just like reading this thing, like I have to remember all this. <laughs> yeah, like I said, trust me, it was. Oh. I had to, she was my trainer, and I was the first group to get trained. Yeah. Besides them too, because her and Jackie were the ones that got to see the script and work with the Imagineers on it and stuff like that. Um, but once they started training, I was in the first group because I was going to be the third super trainer. Yeah what they called it i should we still need our capes um but but yeah i remember and she was like hey so they're gonna all learn tour guide but we need you to learn tour guide gangster and bandit and i just kept like i was trying to remember all these lines and i had the lines but i just kept flustering especially in oz i kept messing up and one point i messed up the line i slammed down the mic and I stepped off the vehicle and like walked to the essay door in the dark and just started like cursing a storm. And I came back and I'm like, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, God, dude. and she'll tell you. And one, I think one of her favorite stories during that training is, you know, we had the iPads with headphones in yeah. and we had the video of the track with the, you know, the uh, Robert Osborne updated like spiel, like spiel button points and stuff. And I'm, 
going through and I'm saying the lines and like, I'm trying to memorize them. So I'm saying them out loud and stuff. And I turn and I see uh, Jose look at me and I go, am I being loud? And Jose being the nicest guy, he just goes, yes, you're being so loud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's going to be good is we're going to take a break and you're going to get to hear our new gangster advertisement outro and then we're going to come back and have our guest and we're going to have another break because we're going to introduce the new bandit as well uh since this is our great movie ride celebration episode it's going to be a little longer than normal but we're having fun talking movie ride and then we get to go around the track with our guest dave fesky we'll be right back on the great radio shut up you two you want to blow our cover hey you You're listening to The Great Movie Radio Show starring Chris and Gabe. Don't nobody move until we get back or else, if you know what I mean. Warning, remain on this podcast. The advertisement you are experiencing is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. What are you looking at? Hit the subscribe button to catch more of the great movie radio show starring Chris and Gabe, and maybe you won't get hurt. Here they come, boss! Would you look at that, a red light. Running a red light's against the law, and I would never break the law. No more red light. Autumn Star Entertainment is an independent producer of movies and video. Their goal is to provide Hollywood-level entertainment for low to no budget. Check them out on Facebook.com slash Autumn Star Entertainment or on Twitter at Autumn Star ENT. Time for Chris and Gabe, hosts of the great movie radio show, to get back to work. I better lay low for a while, the heat's on. On second thought, I could go for some popcorn. Hi everyone, we're back at the Great Movie Radio Show, and I've got my trusty ally and co-host Gabe Jaramillo with me. What's up, Gabe? Hey, how you doing, everybody? (laughs) We are, of course, recording remotely uh, due to quarantine in our areas uh our guest is coming to us from a completely different state so he has to be remote regardless uh, but gabe and i are both in florida yeah so this is this is an interesting new thing not only do we have the co-host but we're doing the remote recording it's a whole brand new ball game to us Social that we're learning as we go but our guest uh worked on movie ride for many years he was my trainer or one of my trainers and uh, has become one of my best friends over the years. And uh, it's a pleasure to have for our 31st birthday for Movie Ride episode, uh, Mr. Dave Fesky on the Great Movie Radio Show with us. Welcome to the show, Dave. Why, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very honored to be here, especially on, uh, on a May 1st episode. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It's, it's great to have you. And how long, how long at the Movie Ride did you work at, you said? I was there in total about six years. I was part-time for about the first like two years or so, and then full-time after that. And uh, yeah, my last like year and a half or almost two years was as a full-time coordinator. So 
Yeah, six years in total, all at all at Movie Ride and the surrounding area. And and Gabe and I were chatting earlier. He said he was there about five. So you both were probably there around the same time. I think Gabe Gabe was there. Uh, I think before me, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I started in February of 2011. So I don't remember when you like started started. I started. But I think I remember you coming. 2011. So I was right after you. <laughs> okay, so just you know, hand in hand. We're going to discuss some moments from GMR with you, dive into like what you did at the ride and some of their favorite things about working there. And then uh, we're going to take another break. And then when we come back, we're going to do our around the track, which is so much fun. Um, what, did you, uh, what did you get a chance to experience uh, working at the ride, Dave? Pretty much all of them. Um, I think the only thing that I really didn't do from a ride perspective was a character trainer, which really kind of bums me out. I always wanted to um, actually train other characters, but I, I was very, very fortunate. Um, you know, obviously started in the tour guide role and because I was part-time, I kind of moved up the part-time list pretty quickly. So, so it was kind of nice. I, I, I got to become a gangster pretty quickly, I think within uh, not even six months or so. And then uh, a little over a year later, I got to become a bandit, which was a lot of fun. I was even a, a part-time trainer. And then I was also a, a part-time coordinator proficient cast member. Uh, so, you know, for those non-Disney folks, coordinators kind of oversee the, the if, you know, general attraction uh, and the cast members who are working it. So I kind of got to do all those things. And then eventually I, I went full-time um, and, and continued doing all of those roles. I love being a trainer, but I absolutely loved coordinating the ride, uh, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, for me, it was coordinating the ride was kind of like a giant puzzle, especially like as you like look ahead towards the end of the night, you're like, okay, I need to put these people in this spot and figure out where to go and make sure they're in the right spot to close and you know get them on the vehicle, but make sure they get their break and all that. So, Yeah. It was fun. It was almost like, you know, you, you sort of become a, a master of all the different land positions, you know, so loading and all that stuff. And especially once you're a trainer and, and you've been doing the character role for several months, you know, you, you kind of really get a, a hang of all those characters and, and all of these different roles that are happening. And once you are, are able to actually coordinate the attraction, it's like almost this, you know, kind of grand puppeteer <laughs> kind of feeling hmm. behind it. So, so you've mastered all the, the, the roles that are, you know, a part of the show and, and then you get to see everything from kind of this umbrella you know, view, 10,000 foot view. And yeah, it really is fascinating. And I, I don't think I'll ever have another job, anything close to, you know, close to it. Yeah, for sure. There's nothing like the great movie, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I gotta say, and this, this goes for both of you too. Um, I, I know when I would come in for my shifts, I, I normally worked the evening, the evening time. That was my more popular shift. Um, I was full time. So I, I, you know, came in usually like two o'clock to close or 12 to close or something. And any time that either of you were on the dock or coordinator, I was like, yes. <laughs> so that was, uh, always a pleasant, pleasant day when either of you were coordinating. I'm not saying anyone else that coordinated it wasn't. I'm just saying I, yeah, I'm just putting that out there. Certainly, so, certainly high praise. Uh, I, I will say this though. I mean, uh, I, I think any any good coordinator, and not that I was like the the greatest at this or anything at all, but you know, if you have a really good understanding of of the roles that are being done and you're overseeing all those things, it, it just made you that much better at your role, and you could make the other cast members experiences just as good and just as memorable as the ones that you had doing all of those same things, you know? So I, I feel fortunate having had, you know, good coordinators and, and good leaders that came through that, 
uh, were passionate about the attraction and, you know, really wanted to keep not just the mechanical side of it uh, going smoothly, but also just the spirit of it going smoothly as well. And I think almost anybody that came through a great movie ride, even if it was a short period of time, or if you were there for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, uh, or, or even longer, you just, you always had that spirit for it. And that's the one thing that you always try to you know, convey, I, I think. And that was always kind of my goal. And I know that was something Gabe was always trying to do as well. And even Chris, in your time, I mean, you were nothing if not passionate about the attraction, even if it caused other anxieties. I had my moments where I would be frustrated and wanted to throw, I don't know, something. But, it, you know, we all did, I'm sure. And you just thought to yourself, maybe someone is trying to sabotage the ride because I, I was actually coordinating the night that a, uh, a uh, an unnamed maintenance uh, person drove a ride vehicle into the wall. So, you know, things would happen. You never know <laughs> what might happen. <laughs> the tour guy, Hannah, that okay. was on the vehicle was, you know, wide-eyed and I, I knew that she was not in control of the vehicle. So, <laughs> but yeah, just a big smash right at the end of the night. That's how you know you've been at movie. I had That's how my you know moment. You've been at movie ride too long, right? Is when you've seen a vehicle crash into the scenery or, or, or you know, that far off track. Oh, those, those were the worst. <laughs> Especially like right at the beginning, like as you're turning into musical, and it like blocks off people being able to exit. So you have to like redirect them and reroute them, and then you have those like three or four rows that they oh, can't man. get out because we can't move the vehicle, and it was it was interesting unique <laughs> that's for sure hey dave what was your uh what was your favorite section of gmr since we're talking about getting stuck and all that what would you what would you say was your favorite uh, that's a very good question um I, th- I think for me it was always especially after i had a chance to walk the track and spend more time kind of wandering through it and, and that kind of stuff was alien and I, I think the, the main reason yeah. why it was particularly awesome when the sound effects were going on, you know, like hanging chains in the, in the hangar when you first got in and stuff. But um, I always loved the fact that, you know, once you were on the alien side of, of the scene from, from Western into alien and you were kind of looking around the bend because it was this big curve, you know, you couldn't just see into the next show scene. So it was this kind of contained scene. There were so many details in it unlike a lot of the other parts of the ride where it was like, Oh, this is fun. I feel like I'm on a movie set. That was one of, you know, that, that scene, no matter what, I always got that feeling of not just feeling like I was in a set, but like I was actually in the Nostromo itself, you know? So I, I think that was always my favorite scene. You and I definitely share the, uh, the outlook on that. That I was telling Gabe earlier. That's my favorite part. Gabe's Gabe's was a good answer. He said his was a uh, doc, which I, 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 I always, think of inside the ride but not the not the dock part itself but no i agree with you a lot that the i mean I, and alien being one of my favorite movies you go in and you have the chains hanging and you hear them clinging and and uh i, I always loved watching the guests i didn't get to see them because i wasn't on but like if i was riding the ride as a as a guest and, and watching the the side alien come get the second car when you start the speed into raiders those few people who may have not ridden it before and it comes out at them and they're like oh god <laughs> Uh, yeah it's a great scene i mean like i well doc i would say is my favorite scene like i really love that scene like dave was saying like the detail and everything and just like the little easter eggs in every little part of the ride whether it had to do with the movie or just like the ride itself it was just takes you out of the ride and into like the movie itself kind of scene it really does dave do you have a do you have a favorite memory of working on the ride i'm sure you have plenty in your six years but do you have like one that you could pinpoint down to or I think uh, 
yeah, we'll, we're probably going to hear like 10 over the course of, uh, you know, our, our recording and stuff together. But um, yeah, it's, it's always a challenge trying to like pick like one thing, you know, because I, I could probably choose a dozen or so. But I, I will say, obviously, with the with the attraction, you know, being closed now and stuff, it's, it's you know, looking for kind of silver linings here and there. And one of them for me is like telling these kinds of stories where I probably, you know, wouldn't have normally shared this information because I, I could have gotten in trouble, but now it almost doesn't matter. So, <laughs> um, but no, in one, one yeah. of the days I had the very, very fortunate, yeah, I didn't get to work in Bandit a lot. I was a Bandit trained cast member, but, you know, it's one of those roles that it wasn't always required and all that kind of stuff. And then having, you know, whoever you were working with um, sometimes kind of, you know, could make or break your, your day, just depending on your mood or, you know, whatever you're kind of feeling and um i had a, a day in bandit with sean cumberland jennifer duvall and Brittany davies and if you know any one of those individuals by themselves you'll know that they're just wonderful awesome amazing human beings but the fact that the four of us all got to be together in bandit was just awesome it was just you know tons of fun it was just one of those days where you almost didn't want it to end you know you're just like willing to take show after show after show and and just have fun you know being at the ride and, um, and and having fun with with the role and all that kind of stuff. And so at the end of the night, it was, I think, the last bandit show of the night. So we get a call, you know, final shows on, on its way. And Jennifer was taking it. It was her turn to take the show. And so Brittany and Sean and I were packing up our stuff. We were getting ready to go. And I said, hey, should I go and hijack Jennifer's vehicle during her show? <laughs> and... Brittany and Sean didn't really give me like a, a yes, um, but uh, I, I forget exactly Sean's words, but it was, you know, something effective. Like, I wouldn't tell you not to do that kind of a thing. Yeah, and it probably and sounded so, like, oh, like, I'm not going to tell you to not do it, but I'm also not going to tell you to do it. I'm not saying that would break the show or anything, but Wait, no. it's, it's... And so, uh, so anyway, yeah, so I, I. I waited, and when uh, when Jennifer ran around uh, to blow the bank, I snuck around behind the general store, and I I basically cut in front of her, and I ran down, and I picked you know jumped on the vehicle and said something to the effect of Kate Durango, I got you good, and she took her hat, she threw it down, Kid Carson, I'll never forgive you, or you know, something like that I mean she she responded perfectly. The guests the guests had no clue what was going on. And then uh, the tour guide, I'm sure, was just confused as all hell because I got to I got to Anubis and walk, you know, like Where's Jennifer. So I will say, just like in terms of just brazen, you know, fun and the spirit of everything, like that, that's one of my most favorite uh, favorite memories from the ride for sure. Oh man, that's awesome. I don't think uh, I've ever heard that yeah. story. If I was the tour guide, I'll be honest, I would have been like, wait, did, did somebody skip? Did I? Am I supposed to be out there right now? I would be like freaking out. Like, who's supposed to be here right now? Is it me? What is going? <laughs> in terms of like, I mean, that is oh not my in God. the operating guides. You know, that was not. Uh, <laughs> in terms of all those kinds of stories, for me, that's that's my kind of big one. So, <laughs> you just you should just be glad Gabe wasn't show observing. <laughs> well, that that's day. what I I was telling him earlier. I was like, I have plenty of stories and like goof up things that i did but like i had to keep it secret because i was a coordinator and a trainer and a show observer so i had to be the example but boy did uh but you always i mean yeah yeah you, uh, you find the time when you when you've been there kind of long enough you kind of figure out the moments where you know not that it's acceptable but that you can kind of get away <laughs> get away with it i will say there was one day um 
not to get off topic, but uh, John Van Cleef was in Gangster, and Corey was in Bandit, and I was either in Gangster or Bandit, but we were messing with each other, and in your favorite scene, Corey and I ran over to Alien, got behind the curtain, and then went like went into space, and when the essay doors opened into Alien, we pretended like we were just floating in space as he drove by. <laughs> <laughs> like we were just dead in space. I've I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh, that's that, wonderful! I, I think anybody oh that my master when either bubble machines or water guns were around, it was kind of a you know tempt your own fate sort of uh, scenario. So. <laughs> You never know. There might have been a few shows where the, the um, gangster got on the vehicle completely soaking wet because they got, oh. you know, doused in. in uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to take a break in a, just a moment and get to around the track. Uh, before then, do you have any cast members or trainers you want to give it a shout out to, Dave? Yeah, I, I almost feel bad, uh, you know. Uh, in, in the questionnaire, you said you said trainers, and I feel bad following up a story where I was completely breaking the rules uh, to recognize the people who trained me at the attraction, <laughs> but because uh, this is in no way a reflection upon them. But um, no, I, I, I feel eternally grateful for all the trainers that I had only because they not only set a really great example for how to do the job, um, but the, the again, that spirit, they were all people who were passionate about the attraction and really enjoyed their time there. And my, my tour guide trainer was Wes Witten. So uh, if anybody that ever knew Wes, kind of a nice dry sense of humor. I was uh, probably a, a, just a complete overjoyed ball of energy when I started training with him because I was just uh, over the moon to be trained at Great Movie Ride. But uh, just exceptionally proficient, you know, cast member and, and, and a hard worker and, you know, uh, taught me everything I needed to know for the tour guide position. And yeah, and then in Gangster, I was uh, trained by Nicolette, who anybody that uh, that worked with Nicolette would know that she was uh, a phenomenal cast member again, just like highly technically proficient. She knew the ride in and out. She knew all the roles in and out. And she always expected like, you know, your kind of highest performance. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. She always gave hers and uh, I got to be the first live uh, for Gangster, which was a lot of fun. Uh, side note, Nicolette was also the person that I shadowed for coordinator. So um, again, she really taught me the idea nice. of like looking ahead. Um, you know, Movie Ride was a different attraction in terms of, of coordinating and, and trying to get cast members on and off these vehicles and stuff. So just a different beast, you know, compared to to other attractions obviously everything's unique but um there was this idea of kind of looking ahead in time you know almost 20 40 minutes ahead of time that nicolette taught me as a coordinator that was highly valuable yeah because as gabe said it's like a puzzle um we were talking about it previously just saying trying to coordinate this attraction was like you know the most complicated time uh timed puzzle that you could ever work on so nicolette gave me a lot of ins and outs and and a lot of uh you know, tips and tricks that, that um, I took with me the rest of my time as a coordinator. And then in Bandit, I was trained by the absolutely phenomenal uh, Melissa Keeley. So um, also Melissa Rose, that's how uh, I've always referred to her as. But yeah, she was my Bandit trainer. Um, she laughed hysterically. I think one of my first kind of runs when I was training, when, you know, just a, a dry run, a, a dead show was coming through and I busted through the doors and I knocked my bandit hat clean off and it rolled off the stage and down onto the ride track and <laughs> had to run down and 
I grab it before I got <laughs> ran over by the by the ride vehicle. But um, yeah, she was phenomenal, and and I always really got along well with Melissa. She's one of my favorite people that I ever worked with at Disney, and the fact that uh, she actually got to be my trainer was a lot of fun. So um, I like to say I got like the holy trinity of trainers at the time. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel very, very lucky. But to your point, Chris, I was there for a long time. I have a million memories and um, I wish I could give a shout out to everybody that impacted my life there. But the truth is every single person that I worked with did in some way or another. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. No, I'm with you, man. And uh, I, I, I'm pleased to say that you were one of my trainers. Um, I had you and Jackie and uh, Brittany, yeah, Jackie Skelton, Brittany Davies, and oh, I can't remember. I had, I think I had Jennifer for one day, if I remember correctly. But you were, you were like, I had you the most. And uh, I gotta say this, and 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 I, I think I've said it to you before, but just for the spirit of Movie Ride, um, I was very nervous coming to Movie Ride at first. I was so excited. I'm not really big on speaking in front of people, but you really helped me. Oh, all of you, but, but you specifically really helped me kind of open up. And, and I got to thank you for that because it was, it was really tough for me getting into, you know, I've always been one, like we're doing, you know, the show now I've always been one to be, you know, off, off camera uh, and, and by myself with maybe a person or two and talking, but to talk in front of that many people multiple times a day, it was tough for me. It was, it was really tough. And, and you really helped me break my mold and, even though I had the anxieties I did throughout my tenure there, um, you helped me take the mask off, I guess, and get to be myself with the ride. And, and I got to say, I appreciate that. I really do. Because as difficult it was for me to, uh, my anxieties, you know, pressured me. Uh, I had so many fun times and so many fun memories working there that, uh, I, I will never take it back. So thank you for investing in me as a tour guide. And uh, I was telling Gabe earlier, I remember when you and I uh, first walked around on training because we walked around the park and we headed off because we started talking like Kermit the Frog and Fozzie, which I'm not going to get into starting talking like that now. because no. We could say that for another. That was the moment I knew that uh, I, was, I was where I was supposed to be for the time being. And, and it was, it was a fun time. So thank you for helping me open up and, and challenging myself to, to be a better me, at least temporarily <laughs> until, uh, until my uh, demons got the better of me, I guess you could say. I mean, I, some phenomenal uh, trainers, I, too, I, it sounds like. And I know Gabe can attest to the fact that like, when, oh yeah, when people oh, yeah. are working on the script backstage in, in, I, I think most of us are a lot of, you know, most all of us use the, the locker hallway with the arrows, you know, to kind of the arrow game, you know, to, to learn your lines. And Chris, I just remember you being like one of the most excited people every time you would like nail a line. And I know Gabe, you can attest to that too. <laughs> just like, see, you have these certain trainees who can just like, they just light up when they nail it, you know, cause they, they, uh, yeah, maybe they don't feel like they can do it. But I, I think movie ride was one of those things that I knew people who were more than happy to get up and talk to crowds. And I knew a lot of people who were, you know, adamantly opposed to even doing it, who can still blossom at movie ride. Yeah, I would agree. I just, there was something different about movie ride. I 
you know, it was not an easy attraction to learn. And, you know, as a trainer, you had to go in understanding that and understanding people are different. You know, they're not going to be, you know, actors or, you know, great in front of people. But we, you know, you you see them evolve from day one until like their last day at Movie Ride. And, you know, there's people who, you know, I started with day one and they're like, I, I, I don't speak good in front of people. I don't know why they put me here. And then, you know, like a month in, I show observe and they're like, wow, that was like a great show. Like you had it nearly perfect. You were great, your energy, everything like that. So it was, it was fun. And it was, it was very challenging as a trainer because you had to learn different like training styles. And I mean, that's how it should be for all training, but with movie right and learning the script, it's had a different aspect. And, you know, Dave, you know, I, I didn't like, train with you or like or anything like that but i got to work side by side as coordinator and trainer and stuff like that and you know our days up in gangster and stuff so you know whenever i would see your name up on the board i knew it was going to be a a good time same i think if i if i had to just i mean in general just thinking back to some of the best memories and and a lot of my favorites gabe was always there (laughs) and i think that's yeah i mean dude like you and i started around the same time and we were there almost the entire length of time you know for that five five, six years. So um, very happy to have gotten a chance to work alongside you and, and had a lot of fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> he was always a character too. He always was. I said that earlier. We were just, me and him were talking before you came on. He was always a character, no matter what position he was, the tour guide, coordinator with the characters. He was always this goof that even though he, you know, he had some seriousness to him, he was just, you could tell he was having fun. I think one of the my most fond memories is there was a week, Gabe, where you were like, it was around Christmas, and I think you were tr- actively <laughs> trying to work a hundred hours that week. Yeah, and like you were like, yes, I, worked, <laughs> I remember like, that. I worked ninety-nine I hours and fifty-five minutes. And, yeah, and it was yeah, like I, if nothing else, I just remember thinking like, holy cow. <laughs> I hope he does it, you know, like I, I was rooting for you and I'm, you were like going crazy by the end of it. I'm pretty sure you were the closing coordinator on that Saturday night and it was like you and Chris, uh, manager Chris, um, and I was like, guys, I'm only five minutes away from it. Like, can you do anything? And they're like, no, because you'll be in double back tomorrow. There's nothing we can do. And I was like, damn it. No. I'm pretty sure if, if it had just been me, I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> but there was i think it was like you chris and then some there was another manager there and they're like oh my god we want to try to help you so bad hit that hundred hours and they're like you guys looked into everything like no because it's going to cause double back i think it was frank oh. was the other was the other manager there oh oh yeah but yeah frank that was the coordinator when we oh, first frank. started yeah. oh yes i remember that but yeah, those that was a that was a crazy week. That's I always tell people that story when they're like, "Oh, you worked at Disney?" I was like, "Yeah." And the first Christmas, I was full time. I worked. Um, I was five minutes away from a hundred hours in a week, and they're like, "What?" Oh yeah, I mean that was like legendary. I don't, oh I don't man, I'll never forget about that. But I you you brought that up, and I remember because like you could see him like through the week, just like slowly like getting. I want to say less like Gabe, but also more like Gabe as the week progressed because we're like. You were less stable, Gabe, and more like crazy, Gabe. <laughs> it was it was funny because <laughs> you, we, oh, uh, you yeah. were loopy, man. You were so. I think loopy. that's where all the uh, <laughs> now I'm taking naps in the break room, and that's where all the photos came of me looking like uh, yeah. Charles Xavier, Professor. Yeah, Xavier. I was just, like, with my <laughs> hand in <laughs> your temples. <laughs> yep. And then between that and then like the only other time oh, I think I man. Just, just from like a sheer like dedication working standpoint was you, Jackie, and Melissa during the TCM update. And just 
like the level of work that just the three of you did was was off the chart. So speaking of phenomenal trainers, I was fortunate to have Melissa for one. Chris, you said Jackie's name. So, I mean, yeah, like the three of you, you were it. Yep. Yeah, I actually brought that up on P- on like uh, when yeah, asked if I wanted to shout out. I brought up those two because the, yeah, that two and a half weeks or whatever it was doing that TCM update was rough. Gabe, you told me uh, you told me you were when you were doing that though they had finished the finale video, so you were one of the first cast members to actually get the see the yeah. new TCM update. Yeah, because they're in overnights. So I remember the, correctly. Uh, Imagineers were there, and there was one guy, and I cannot remember his name, and I feel terrible, but. I got, got like pretty close with him during those like two weeks and stuff. And when I, he, go, he came out to me, I was on dock and I was training people and he goes, Hey, we're about to play the uh, finale montage for the first time. The new one. Do you, do you want to be in here? And I said, okay. Yeah. I was like, all right, everybody, we're going to take a break and we're going to go to finale. And we all sat there and Jackie, Melissa and I were all next to each other. I pretty sure I was holding Melissa's hand and like crying. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. I remember they, they needed someone to just like dispatch vehicles and I had volunteered to do that for the couple of the overnights and I was on dock like as vehicles were going through. I think it was the next day because then they were like just kind of looping it uh, to kind of get it working, get it lined up and stuff. And like I just remember standing on dock and all I was doing was just like letting vehicles go and closing doors. But then every vehicle that was coming out of finale, like all the tour guides and all the trainers had like tears coming down their eyes. And I was like, I need to go and see it. So <laughs> I got to watch everyone's reactions first and then go and yeah, it was magnificent. Man, I'm glad that you guys got to be a part of that history. I mean, it was such a, a cool period of time. Well, speaking of coming back to the dock, we're going we're gonna to take a quick pause. And then when we're back, we're going to go around the track with you, Dave Fesky. And you're going to take us through some of your favorite films and favorites from all the genres so we can yeah talk about maybe what movies that inspired you throughout your life i am ready awesome well we'll be right back on the great movie radio show stay tuned hold it right there hombre you're listening to the great movie radio show starring chris and gabe which means you hit the mother love don't any hombres move until we come back (laughs) Lesson, you want a belly full of lead. <laughs> Warning, remain on this podcast. The advertisement you are experiencing is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. button so you don't miss another episode of the great movie radio show starring Chris and Gabe. When you do, it means you're riding with us now, so hold on to your horses. Speaking of which, where are the horses? Hey everyone, it's Chris from the GMR Show. Have you ever had a question or movie recommendation that you wanted us to play on air? Download the Anchor app and search The Great Movie Radio Show. Click on Message and leave us a one-minute voice message. You can also go to our website, www.thegmrshow.com, and go to the contact page, and there's a button right there for you. Leave us a message, and we'll play it on a future episode. Thanks for listening, and we hope to hear from you on The Great Movie Radio Show. That's a mighty fine territory you're heading into, Pilgrim. Time to get back to the great movie radio show starring Chris and Gabe. I wouldn't think about turning back if I was you. That is, if you want my opinion. 
All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Great Movie Radio Show. During our break, unfortunately, Cave got pulled to another attraction. So it's just going to be myself and our wonderful guest, Dave Feske, going around the track here. Welcome back, I Dave. We'll, well, I think we'll, we'll manage, but uh, it'll be a little rough uh, working without Gabe for the next few minutes. Yeah, I feel bad that they pulled him because uh, it's his first episode as co-host. But, you know, he, uh, obligations, man, obligations. That's what happens. So it does. So we're going to go uh, around the back. We're going to talk about your favorite five films first. And I love your list here. Starting with 1977's wonderful game-changing science fiction event, Star Wars. I know. And it's probably like at the top of a, a whole bunch of people's lists. Um, but, you know, for me, um, I grew up watching all of the Star Wars movies. My mom's a big Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan, too, actually. I, I grew up watching all the Star Trek movies as well. But um, we owned a video store when I was growing up and we had we were one of the few people with a VCR and a VHS tape. And even before Star Wars was available, my mom had a bootleg copy of it. And she literally wore the tape out. That's how often we watched it. So, um, and for me, it's just like, that's like my comfort movie. Um, when I, I, I was deployed overseas in 2006 and uh, that was like my go to sleep movie every night. I'd put it on my portable DVD player and put my headphones on. And uh, so, yeah, I have a very deep relationship with uh, Star Wars, A New Hope. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic film, man. And uh We've talked about it quite often on the show. And of course, it's uh, briefly uh, shown in both versions of the, the pre show or the sorry, the finale montage. Um, different iterations of Star Wars have shown up in there. So it, it's been on the ride and it, it's it's one of the best science fiction films of all time. It really is. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, Movie Ride, that jump to hyperspace, that was, you know, the original kind of takeoff point. So if you really were good, if you could time it right you could kind of get that visceral feeling of the ride vehicle moving forward right as that Millennium Falcon jumped to hyperspace shot was kind of pulling up. So uh, groundbreaking I, movie for a uh, hundred reasons. And yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, you're number two on your list. I, I, I kind of know why it's on your list. And uh, I agree with you. Gattaca, uh, the first time I ever saw this movie with uh, – Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman was in my biology class because it was talking about the DNA code and how it, you know, it played into the film. And it's ah, such a good film. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to tell the story. I'll let you do it because I, I know why or part of it. But it, yeah, I agree with you. It's a wonderful film. Well, this movie, yeah, this movie came out when I was in high school, I think, and I don't even remember why I sort of. Uh, how I even found it. I just remember being really enamored by it when it first came out. I thought it was just this amazing story. Um, it's a very like near future sort of tale of genetic modification. And, you know, this guy who's kind of overcoming the odds, um, pretending to be another person entirely, and uh, also being investigated for murder at the same time. Just a really fascinating story. And I really loved it for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, when I met my wife, it was one of the first movies that she and I we we're kind of, you know, first just getting to know each other and talking about movies. And it was the first uh, movie that we watched together was, was Gattaca. The second one was the birds, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, but uh, no, that was like, nice. Gattaca was the first, first film that my wife and I bonded over and uh, we love it. And we might actually watch it tonight because <laughs> we were talking about it earlier today. So, so we'll see, um, but phenomenal movie. And yeah, you got us uh, as a wedding present, the film reel, 
of the preview of the trailer for Gattaca. It's amazing, absolutely amazing gift. So thank you again for that. I, I, I oh no, it's it's my pleasure, man. I, I was happy to find that. I was like, oh, what's something unique and awesome? And I know that you two bonded over that movie and uh i figured you know why not it's it's sentimental for both of you and i didn't i never thought i was like ah oh, trailer film reel how cool would that be and uh i've been tempted to go on ebay and like find a few of like my favorites just to have them but you know i, I still haven't reached out and done that yet i need to it's a unique item so <laughs> very cool the day that you can actually play it you'll have to tell me <laughs> <laughs> Get my hands on a 35 millimeter projector. Oh. We'll we'll see. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, the next one on your list is uh, one I actually just watched for the first time a, co- a couple weeks ago. Actually, was the Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick's. Yeah, this masterpiece. Was movie I I a lot of these a lot of the movies that I pick usually it's you know because it sort of introduced me to a, a side of film or a side of movies that I never really seen before. Um, mm-hmm. So I mentioned previously, I grew up my 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 mom worked at a drive-in movie theater when she was a kid my parents owned the only video store in my hometown for like 10 or 15 years so when i was growing up i was surrounded by movies all the time so um i got exposed to a lot of stuff you know even at an earlier age than most people would probably think but like a clockwork orange i watched it when i was in high school and it was the first stanley kubrick movie that i saw and i just became immediately obsessed with his kind of style and so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not one of those individuals that looks at Alex and thinks like, oh, that's someone to emulate or anything like that. It's just a, it's a remarkable story. It's a really interesting story that it's based on. Uh, also a kind of a near future uh, yeah. dystopia um, and just really kind of fascinating. I'd never seen a movie like that before. And so it really just kind of blew me away. And then it, that opened the door to my kind of Stanley Kubrick uh, obsession. So I'm a huge fan of, of his style and, and the way that he frames things. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I remember when we worked on the ride together, you would tell me, uh, when I see it, uh, it's got a connection to Movie Ride and getting to watch it a couple weeks finally. immediately understood the connection, singing in the rain <laughs> and uh, how, yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy ending to that movie. How the name itself kind of paraphrases synopsis of the movie i mean because clockwork is that you're finally tuning something that it's, of its own you know making and to turn it in turn him into something of theirs and i i never really i watched the film and i, I read some things on it it's so it, it was more genius than it had any right to be it really was yeah and i mean it was a groundbreaking movie and un- unfortunately you know there were people that uh, kind of took it almost literally and, and went out and beat people up uh, and stuff and saying that they were inspired by this movie. And Stanley Kubrick was like horrified by that. Um, he wanted it to be more of a cautionary tale yeah. and it kind of went sideways in terms of people who were watching it. And so even in, in Europe, I don't, it didn't play. It, it initially came out and then it was pulled from movie theaters. And I don't think it played again in Europe for, or at least in the UK for 20 years or more. Um, so yeah, just a remarkable movie, really interesting subject matter. Um, and then just from a style point of view and, and a filmmaking point of view, I'd just so unique. We also, I, I agree. And to come back to your, your, your singing in the rain. Yeah. You'll never listen to singing in the rain the same way again, if you've seen a clockwork orange, but at one point in the uh, lobby, <laughs> 
at one point in the lobby, we actually had Alex's derby hat. Uh, so his bowler hat that he that he wears in the film. That was actually oh, one of the props that we had in the lobby yeah. for a while. I think I was like the only person who was super excited about that. The connection there, yeah. I, uh, your next one on your list is Black Hawk down yeah black hawk down's uh it's a 2001 movie it's ridley scott uh directed this one um and it's based on a true story so in uh, 1992 or 93 um a bunch of u.s army rangers and special forces guys went in to uh try to pick up a, a warlord in somalia mogadishu somalia it was supposed to be a quick 30 minute in and out mission and it turned into like a two and a half day nightmare of them being trapped in the city um, being completely overrun by Somalian militia. And it's all about their struggle to basically survive in the middle of a, a hornet's nest, a war zone of you know, just chaos, and then, and then trying to get back out of it. It's got probably one of the most amazing casts ever. You've got Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, Eric Bana, Sam Shepard is in this movie. Uh, tons and tons and tons of people. Amazing soundtrack, crazy story. But then when I was... I was in the army and this was one of the few modern military movies that you could kind of watch. And I was a combat medic while I was in the military and they would actually use scenes from this movie to train us and show us scenarios that could actually happen uh, during combat. And that, that was kind of how they could expose us to these kinds of things without uh, kind of getting into the real thing. So this movie I've, I've really just thoroughly enjoyed for a really long time and it has a particularly, uh, close connection with me uh with my time in the in the military i had no idea that they were showing the training it's interesting yeah, I, I, interesting I, in to terms know. of uh, military movies just in general i think it's one of the most accurately portrayed um the book is fantastic it started out as actually a, a long form uh news story a news article basically and then that got turned into a book and then it got turned into a movie and they got trained by special forces they got trained by army rangers and yeah, I mean, just absolutely crazy. So um, in terms of accuracy, super accurate, super realistic kind of movie. And yeah, the kinds of, they actually have a medic in the in the movie, you know, who, a couple of them actually, there's three different medics in one movie. So uh, they show all the different kind of scenarios that they're in for treatment, you know, either in the middle of a firefight or, you know, after, during kind of a downtime. And so yeah, it was uh, actually pretty, uh, pretty remarkable training tool. That sounds like it, man. I, I could never do what you did with the military either. My, uh, my grandfather was a medic in World War II, and I, I know plenty of people were in the military. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of guts to do something like that. So we appreciate what you uh, serve in the country, of course. And uh, that's, a, that's a cool fact about the movie I didn't even know about, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're going to quickly mention your number five, The Dude Abides with the Big Lebowski. That was a great film, man. I've, I've seen it probably two or three times, and uh, every time I watch it, I just, <laughs> I just giggle constantly. Especially at John Goodman. Oh my God! Oh man, yeah, Walt, Walter Sobchak. I mean, I, I think every single I love that movie. characters are just iconic. Um, <laughs> this movie again, having my top five films, <laughs> I, I kind of chose them for various reasons. They have like you know either personal connections or they're just five movies that if you were to just come up to me and say, "Hey, do you want to watch this right now?" I would, I without hesitation, say yes. But the, the Coen brothers, right? They're from Minnesota. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota as well. And and the movie Fargo, a lot of people are familiar with. It's actually further on down my list as well. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, they did Fargo and then they did the Big Lebowski right after that. And the Bunny Lebowski, the, the girl that uh, is uh, supposedly kidnapped, uh, her real name is supposed to be Fawn Knutson. 
and she's from Moorhead, Minnesota, which is my hometown. So in the movie, they actually mentioned my hometown, which is kind of funny because it, it, it's right on the border of Fargo, North Dakota. So another just hilarious, fun movie. And uh, just happens oh, to have yeah. a really interesting connection to me personally. And, and uh, my family and I, we quote this movie nonstop. So it's uh, constantly quoted all the time. There's a beverage here, man. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> white Russians. So uh, we're going to finally go around the track, talk some of your favorite movies. I got to say though, that top five list, that's a solid one. And it's the first one time Gattaca has been brought up on the show. Sadly, it's such an underrated film Gattaca. And I, 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 it's funny that you and I talked about it as much as we did, because like I said, not a lot of people know about that one. Yeah. It was kind of uh, one of those late nineties. It's an independent movie. Um, you know, that's why it's got Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman in it. So, um, yeah, I, and again, I wish I could, yeah. I'm glad that you got it pointed out to you in, in school. There's a good chance that that's possible. That's how I heard about it too. I, I took yeah. biology and I really loved it. And yeah. So for those who don't know, Gattaca is just using the four, uh, proteins that make up your DNA. So it's a uh, guadine, adenine, cytosine, and thiamine, mm-hmm. I believe if I'm remembering correctly, someone may have to correct me after, but yeah, so uh, yeah. GTAC, that's those that. four. So that's how they got the, the name of the movie, which is pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. And of course, that's the project. That's the, the astronaut project of going yeah. to space. It's Gattaca, if I remember right. Awesome. Full diving into Around the Track. Um, we're going to head into musical. We're taking off from Doc. And we're going into Newsies. Newsies, one of my favorite. I So musicals are my like... I think my least strong genre on here um, followed closely by horror. Not that I don't like musicals, but I just am not super familiar with a lot of them. And so my, my list is mostly comprised of like, what are yeah. musicals that, you know, I really enjoyed or I know all the words to. So I have South Park on there. Cause I literally know all the words to that. Well, <laughs> I was going to say number three, you're first. South Park, and I was laughing when I got the list. It's kind of a cheat. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Uh, It's not only an animated movie, but a musical, and it was nominated for an Academy Award for Blame Canada. So it's a nom. It's it's an Oscar-nominated movie. So I don't feel bad having it on there. But no, I think Newsies would make up a much better uh, show scene. So. I did choir at one point when I was growing up in like junior high and we watched Newsies. So it was one of the first, I think, musicals that I got really kind of exposed to, um, you know, like a modern musical, I guess. Uh, but it also had a lot of fun for me because uh, another person yeah. who really loved Newsies is uh, Brittany Davies. And she and I would constantly go back and forth in Gangster if I, you know, was the gangster, she was the tour guide, vice versa. We would try to make each other uh, crack by making Newsies references. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I yeah. absolutely love Newsies. I think uh, if I had to, I think carrying the banner, just like the big opening, uh, you know, scene in, in Newsies would probably be the, the best one, you know, all the kids out there with their, their newspapers selling them out. So yeah, I think that'd be the, the first scene that I would choose coming around the corner. That would be a good one. I haven't seen Newsies in a long time. It came out in 92. It's got Bill Pullman. It's got a, uh... He was Kristen like, Bale, the Batman. And it's funny because South he was like Park. 12 or 13. Oh, go ahead. When that movie came out. Youngin. And uh, there is a, an actor in the movie called, named Trey Parker, but it's not that the Trey true. Parker from South Park. And I, yeah, I was just looking it up real quick because I, I haven't seen Newsies in a while. So that's a fun, uh, little fun fact there. Uh, of course, on your list, you got Muppet Christmas Carol, which would be your second 
and that's a oh, that's a I wonderful if, one. If, if yep, and uh, Wizard yeah. of Oz, so, yeah, and I Mary mean, Poppins. Some, you know, go to standard go tos in there. I just think people would people would lose it if they had some to go classics through, and they had to go through a part of South Park <laughs> on a great movie ride. I think people would be a little confused. <laughs> you go through Newsies, Muppet Christmas Carol, and then South Park. <laughs> totally, totally reasonable. Uh, that would be pretty funny. Oh man, that would be interesting. And then you go into uh, Gangster, and there's Tom Hanks and Road oh, to Perdition. Tom Hanks, man, yeah. Um, this is one I haven't seen, so I, I haven't seen this one before. So I know, okay, so I know. Then when I was in high school, I worked at a movie theater, right? So yep. this was one. This movie came out in 2002. That was yep. around the time I was working there. This has, I think, one of the best musical scores I've ever heard in my entire life. And uh, I can see if I can pull up the the person, the, the name of the individual that that did the score. But um, it's a it's a graphic novel. Nice. It's a graphic novel. I'm already I, I didn't really know at the time when it came out, but all I knew was Tom Hanks and Paul Newman were in a gangster movie together. And, and then Daniel Craig is in it, who just is a total uh, scene stealer. And uh, directed by Sam Mendes, who went on to direct Daniel Craig in Skyfall and Spectre. And he just did my, one of my favorite oh, movies oh, from last year, 1917. So Road to Perdition, it's a gorgeous movie. It's beautiful. It's a really interesting and tragic tale um you know it's not exactly like a super upbeat movie but it's really really realistic portrayal of the 1930s kind of gangsters and tom hanks of all things he actually plays a hitman but he's a hitman with a wife and a family and some things go terribly awry in his life and he ends up going on the road basically he's kind of wanted by these gangsters and he goes on the road with his son who is played by Tyler Hecklin, who a lot of people may know as Superman on uh, Supergirl. Pretty yeah. cool. He's been around for uh, for a while now. But uh, yeah, phenomenal movie. And then the, the score is amazing. And I have the DVD, right? And on the DVD menu, it just plays the soundtrack. And I used to just put it in my DVD player and just let it play because mm-hmm. it was just that good. And um, Phenomenal movie. Just absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous film. Well, Thomas Newman, yeah, Thomas Newman, who did... Skyfall and and uh, 1917 with Sam Mendes, uh, he did Road to Perdition. So I I, I believe there he's a constant contributor to Sam Mendes' oh, work. Law. Jude I'm Law sure. is in it as well. Jude um, Law plays another man, and he it's like not a Jude Law character. I mean, he's got this crazy nasty teeth and bald hair. And, um, it, yeah, but it's a phenomenal movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. We just watched it uh, about six months ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the cast list right now. God, how have I not seen this movie? I don't know. I don't know. It's going on my list. It's going on my watch list. Uh, it somehow slipped through the cracks. Uh, do you have a scene from Road to Perdition that you would put in the ride? There is, yeah. There is. There's or one that you one can very think specific scene. Uh, I don't really want to call it out because it's it's a crazy spoiler. Um, but it's a it's just a really gorgeous scene. Let's just say it, it takes place. It's a it's actually a scene with no sound. It's a, a dark, rainy sequence, and it's only music and no sound effects. And uh, it's just like this kind of gorgeously haunting. Oh, sequence. I think that would be kind of interesting to to go through if it was part of it. This kind of rainy, rainy sequence. So, yeah, don't want to say anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll see it soon. I'll have to see if it's streaming anywhere. Um, so usually we take a break right here, um, but we're going to keep going because we've already got plenty of breaks on the show this time. 
uh, into Western with Tombstone. And that is one of my favorite. I haven't seen Tombstone oh, in so, good. so it's long. It's one of those just highly quotable films. This is another one like with my family. Oh, yeah. We can just, you know, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday, one of the best performances of all time. Kurt Russell is wider, but amazing. Another just like the cast is just. Uh, just crazy sam elliott bill paxton powers booth oh yeah just an unbelievable number of people in this movie and what i love about it is that it's it's both accurate and kind of over the top at the same time um it's a little it's a little stylized kind of version of the old west you know everything's got a bit of a polish on it that probably wouldn't actually exist in the real world but just an amazing story the visuals are phenomenal again um and but I, i think the real story there is Kurt Russell and, and Val Kilmer is White Urban Doc Holiday. The two of them, their chemistry. Um there's actually a director's cut. It's not much longer, but it just has a couple extra scenes with Doc Holiday and also with with Doc and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of fleshes out their relationship a little bit more because that was kind of the primary force behind the narrative of the movie. But they also do, I mean, some pretty amazing sequences. The gunfight at the OK Corral is just unforgettable. So uh, lots of great visuals and, and scenery and yeah, hard to forget movie. That was one of George Cosmatos' last films too. Um, he did that and then one more movie in 97 and then passed away in 2005. But I remember it being a great film. And of course, there's the quotable line, I'm your huckleberry. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot. Billy Bob Thornton is in this uh, movie, very brief. And, uh, yeah, well. they... and, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday, you just can't. You can't go past it. Michael Bean uh, is Johnny Ringo. I mean, ugh, the whole cast is amazing. There's a Charles Heston's so, in it. If I had to like Howard choose Booth. a scene, I think it would be hard to not pick the gunfight at the OK Corral. But there's actually a, a moment when they're walking to the corral and they're all in their long black trench coats and their hats and all that stuff. And there's a building on fire behind them. So Bandit already has the nice big fire effect going on. Mm-hmm. So how cool would it be to have you know? uh you know the the the, you know the the sheriffs or whatever the marshals coming up with their long black trench coats on coming to coming to disarm the you know mcclanahan's and stuff behind the okay corral yeah i could i could almost imagine riding into western and the fire is already happening at a safe distance of course you can have them like walking at you while you're kind of driving by or something yeah, and then the the bandit could just be one of the you know members from the OK Corral who who just tries to hightail it out of there and and get out of the show scene as quickly as possible. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I like I said, I haven't seen it in so long, so I I, uh, I can't remember too much about it. But I it's definitely one I need to rewatch. Um, when I was reading your list earlier, I was going through and I said that to myself. I was like, oh, I need to see that one. Uh, your sci-fi movie though, uh, we would go to a normally Alien. I have seen this plenty of times and I love this movie so much. Minority Report is your uh, favorite science fiction movie. And God, God, what a great film. Uh, Spielberg nailed it with this one. And Tom Cruise, he is, he is a weirdo in real life. But, uh, and my wife's going to laugh at this when she listens to this. Uh, Tom Cruise is such a great actor, except in Valkyrie. Um, <laughs> We just started, we tried to watch Valkyrie recently for the first time and I turned it off in 15 minutes because I could not get into it because Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise. He wasn't this German officer that he was casted as. He was Tom Cruise. And I was like, this is the one time it's not working for him with me. 
any other movie I've watched with him. He has been wonderful, but I could not do it. I was like, he doesn't belong as a German officer in this film. This is horrible. I, say, I really like that movie, uh, honestly. But, no, uh, I did, but I love it. It's yeah. just the story that I really like. Brian Singer did do something interesting there where, and um, yeah, um, I think it was Juan Carlos brought up The Hunt for Red October uh, in his, and there's right at the beginning there's yeah. a scene where two characters are speaking in Russian and the camera's like zooming in and the camera uh, stops and then starts zooming back out again. And when it starts zooming back out, the two characters are speaking in English. So is there a way of kind of getting around uh, having to use subtitles for the whole movie? And Valkyrie, Brian Singer, uh, you know, think of him what you will. He did something interesting there where he had Tom Cruise uh, talking in German and then started talking in English. And then it kind of, so that's how they sort of got around that fact. I, I also find it interesting because they've got like Bill Niggy and all these other guys who, you know, all these English actors and they're all just using their native accents, but they decided to do that just because they could get, you know, kind of better, better performances out of them. But Minority Report, it's kind of funny that um, of all the Steven Spielberg movies that I would end up on one of my top ones, this is, again, just one of my favorites. I just really love the representation again of the kind of near future um, you know, and the kind of world that we, we might be living in. And it's it's always really interesting as, you know, this movie came out in, what, 2002, right? So it was 18 years ago. And, and some of the things, some of the things that 2002, in yeah. this movie from a technology standpoint are, you know, things that kind of happen to us now in, in today's world. So, so I really love kind of seeing how that happens in this kind of realistic take. Plus, based on a short story, Philip K. Dick, uh, who wrote that, who also wrote, yeah, you know, do Android Philip K. Dick, yeah. Which is Blade Runner and all these other kind of movies. And um, yeah, I love this movie. Another great cast, just well-rounded and phenomenal flick. I told my wife I need to watch it again. Uh, after Max von Sydow passed away, I was very upset. And we watched The Exorcist. That was my first time seeing that. And seeing his performance in that was just outstanding. And I've always been a fan, and we watched Dune, uh, which um, we're going to talk about with you probably the next time we talk with you. Um, another wonderful – he was in it briefly, but uh, one of his uh, – there's one of his that I haven't seen. Uh, that's an older film that he was really, really good in that I was reading about recently, uh, The Seventh Seal, uh, which is one I, I really want to check out. And of course, you know him as the Emperor Ming in Flash Gordon. Which is a movie I've never seen. So it's no, no. You I, haven't I've seen, Flash seen Flash Gordon. Gordon. I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. There's a, I've got a, I've got a good hand. Yeah, I've got a good amount of movies that I've. Never oh wow! Seen. It might surprise some people because a lot of you know, a lot of my friends in particular think I've seen like every movie ever made. Unfortunately, it's just not true. But uh, yeah. If only I had precognition, like the precogs in Minority who could predict these murders from happening. I will say, if I had to like pick a scene from this movie, it would be a little bit of a tough one. Uh, I really like the, there's a sequence early on where they go and like raid this guy's house and it's all these like police and they've got like armor on and they drop down out of these kind of hovercraft type things and stuff. But I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to have yes. the... the I forget what they call it, but it's like the temple or whatever they refer to it as, where they have the three precogs and Tom Cruise breaks in and basically kidnaps this girl to, to take her away. I think that'd be kind of a cool, mm-hmm. cool scene to show, you know. Oh, it was the department uh, of yeah, pre-crime. The department yeah. of pre-crime. An interesting, yeah, fascinating. That's what they concept. called it. Yeah, these people. 
these these individuals are able to see the future you know and can you arrest somebody for something that they haven't even done yet you know so uh yeah cool story and cool movie the standout role in that film for me was peter stormare as the eye doctor and that was such a interesting and kind of grotesque sequence too because you've got the the fridge after he leaves and he's got the strings tied to his hands and he's trying to find his way around because he can't see and it's just <laughs> but yeah, Stormare is that doctor. It reminded me of uh, uh, I, it wasn't the best movie, but Bruce Campbell's brief stint in uh, Escape from it's LA. Like he's kind of over the top, you know, sort of zany. For and, uh, actually, that that'd be a really great sequence. That over sequence the because that's also character. when they have the, the whole scene where he's got to be in the ice cold bathtub because those little spider things are trying to. So you could have like a little little yep. Tom Cruise animatronic, the little spider droids in the bathtub. So <laughs> the open fridge, you know, with the inside, <laughs> cops playing on in the background. So, <laughs> oh my God. I, I, yeah, I love that movie. I need to revisit it. Um, and we are going to go into your action adventure film, which is my favorite movie of all time. And I, oh God, I'm so excited to talk about this film. Yes. Yes. Uh, everyone, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting excited here. Everyone who knows me knows I love, freaking love The Rocketeer. I am a finhead uh, through and through, and it's oh, I love this movie so much. And it is your favorite action adventure movie of all time. It is well, so underrated. I, like, I didn't think so there underrated. Were a lot of Rocketeer fans out there. I thought I was like one of these weird kids. It's it has kind of a cult following in a way. It's this really underrated action adventure movie. And it came it out does. in nineteen ninety one. I was. Oh gosh, I hate to admit it. I was eight years old when this movie came out. And I was all about like whatever the, you know, newest adventure kind of movie was. So uh, my brother, uh, Jim, who, who you know well, he actually helped helped make me a Rocketeer oh, yeah. costume. So we had one of the old school Ghostbusters backpacks, the plastic one. <laughs> we turned it upside down, covered it in tin yeah. foil, used a Sharpie to kind of draw on it. And then using an old coca-cola 12 pack because it was like the boxy kind not the you know fridge packs that they make now but like the so we actually cut the bottom out of that and, and covered yeah. it in yellow construction paper and made a fin and so yeah i had my own rocketeer costume when i was eight years old um it was one of my favorite movies of all time it's got <laughs> i think one of the best soundtracks it's like the most uplifting thing oh yeah. my god james horner god rest him um, that was you know, finding score. out later on, like Joe Johnston, who directed it, is you know goes on and directs the the first Avenger, Captain America, which is also phenomenal. Same kind of spirit. Uh, he directed Jurassic Park three, which for me is forgettable. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like the guy's been in the industry forever. He's done all these. <laughs> oh, he worked yeah, on he worked on the Indiana Jones guy. movies with Spielberg yeah. before going on to do what he did, and he did Star Wars, I think, a bit too. So he's he's been around. And he is done. He did Joe Munchie yeah, so, as well. Yeah, just a super fun movie, and yeah, I'm I'm amazed that it didn't gain as much traction. I'm amazed. There's like a Disney Junior. There's like a like a cartoon, like a Disney Junior cartoon, um, which I happened mm -hmm. to scroll by on TV one time. I was like, like the Rocketeer. And sure enough, it was. So I'm dying for you know another movie to to be made. Yes, yeah, she's you know sounded like there was something in the works, but you never know. There was at one point, and then they did the cartoon thing, and it's she's. I think she's like the yeah. granddaughter of Cliff Secord or something, and so they have flashback to Cliff at moments. I've watched I think one or two episodes, and it's very, very like you said, it's on Disney Junior, so it's got that feel to it. Those you know, super simple 
things, but it's also got deeper Easter eggs for the fans of the movie. So like, if you're like an adult watching it with your kid, you can enjoy it just as much. And I, I think they did a good job with it for what they were presenting, honestly. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that about a Disney junior show. I, I, I can't, I have to, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I remember when my old theater I used to work at when you were still living in Florida, you and I got to go see it on a classic series. You you brought your wife and I brought mine and we, we all got to see it in the theater together. And I remember sitting next to you and just the opening crawl opens up and like the, the plane hanger doors open up and I just look at you and I'm like, oh my God, dude. <laughs> yeah, I never saw it in the theater as a kid. I had the I had the VHS. It was on TV, and I told you I had the little uh, stretchy Bindum figure that I would chew on the fin of the helmet because I was a strange child at five or six years old, and and still at thirty four, I'm still a strange child. Uh, and we you know, so we watched the movie and grinning ear to ear, and we get out and I talk about the figure to you, and I was like, I wonder if I could find it. And lo and behold, I'm looking right at it. It's unopened though, and yes, I have not bitten the, the fin off. Um, but I have the original 91 Bindum figurine of the Rocketeer sitting on my shelf here with all my other Rocketeer goodies. And uh, I, like you said, I just there were so many things about that movie that were wonderful. It, it, it had elements of adventure and action. And then you had, you know, it touched into the wartime with Nazis and, and the rocket being a, a utensil that the government was trying to use in the war against Germany. You know, Howard Hughes built it. And so you had so many great things about the story. Uh, and then growing up and reading the comics and you find out that Jennifer Conley's character is supposed to be Betty Page. Disney, of course, being Disney, they don't want Betty Page as Cliff Secord's girlfriend. And it, I, I just I fell in love with it. And, I've, you know, I've got quite a few of the uh, graphic novels sitting on my shelf. And I, I still love Billy Campbell's. No one else can have been him. I, I, I got to be honest with you. And I'm glad they got an unknown. And sadly, it brought in less of a, you know, a following when the movie first came out because of it. And, and it released right around Terminator 2 and, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I think I've said it on a previous episode. So the attraction of bigger faces in, in those movies, you know, really took the Rocketeer to a, you know, a back page and went to go see, but it is such a good movie, such a good film. And if you've never seen it, it's on Disney plus, if you've got it, watch it. I, I cannot tell you how enjoyable it is. It's total nineties cheese with some wonderful art deco uh, sets. And it's, it, it holds up. I really think, I mean, it's been what, 30 years, yeah, almost yeah. 30 years next year. And it holds well, up. That comment about it really that, does. Kind of Art Deco look and everything. Because so. it's the, yeah, it's the late 1930s Los Angeles. And Jennifer Connelly's character, who, who's, whose name is Jenny in the movie, mm -hmm. she's an actress and she's on these sets. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Timothy Dalton is Neville Sinclair. He's kind of like the Errol Flynn type, you know, so he's doing like the big sort of sword fights and all that. So you get like a glimpse mm -hmm. into that Hollywood that never was and always will be, you know, which is sort of the, the, the mantra of Hollywood studios. So yeah, it's got, a, it's, it's got it all. So it'd be very fitting if it was in GMR, in my opinion, especially in that action adventure scene. If I had to replace something uh, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, pulling the Ark out, it would 
could be the Rocketeer standing on top of the Griffith Observatory next to the big American flag about to go, you know. Yeah, it's it's that's my iconic moment. And uh, yeah, would would fit in well. Well, the stance like when he when they did that shot, that shot like comes from the comics. You know, I, I it's so iconic and and that's my favorite it was my wallpaper on my computer for years and oh it's such a good point and having james Hor- james horner's score right behind it before he flies up to the blimp yeah there's so many great moments my wife and i laugh at uh the part where lothar the little oh, goon yeah. thug it's with like the cartoony face Tracy movie, yeah. um <laughs> neville sinclair he looks at yeah exactly i love him so much but when he he like uh is in the, he visits that guy in the hospital i won't tell you what happens but he he escapes out of the room before the doctors get in there and you just, you look shuffle outside away. the window and you see his feet <laughs> shuffle away. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I make fun of that moment all the time. Where is the rocket? And do like the feet shuffle. <laughs> and it's things like that. And just how it, it, oh, it's such a good film. I love it. I, I we got to shut up about it though. I, I could do a whole podcast on the rocketeer, which I have friends who have. So, but uh, on your uh, on your list as well, you have the shadow. If you, I, I know you said you wanted to talk about it too, uh, Alec Baldwin in another pulp hero movie yeah, early, from the nineties. Uh, that one was directed by the Highlander. Highlander so one and two, actually. I just knew. I mean, I, I just was in that- love with these kind of early nineties special effects films. Uh, that's when I again you know, starting mm-hmm. to get to that age, eight, nine, 10 years old, uh, where, you know, Jurassic Park was coming out around this time. The Rocketeer had already been out. Shadow came out in 94. So, I mean, there were just these phenomenal early 90s movies that were that were coming out. It's funny. I think if you were to watch The Shadow now, you'd go back and then you'd look at Batman Begins and you'd think, oh, they just ripped off the entire opening of this movie and put it in Batman Begins. Uh, but yeah, the shadow even predates Batman. It was a 1930s radio serial, um, you know, that was that was on. I do find it interesting because The Untouchables, which was one of my gangster movies or mob movies, was also kind of an early mid 90s film that's based on old radio shows. That one's a true story, Elliot Ness and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I just again, I love the visuals. This is 1930s New York, so. If you watch The Rocketeer, you get the Art Deco 1930s LA. If you watch The Shadow, you get the 1930s Art Deco New York. So you kind of get the, the best of both worlds and uh, just some amazing visual effects that uh, were groundbreaking at the time and, and helped kind of push that you know evolution forward. I need to watch it again. I was telling Gabe before he got pulled to his attraction that uh, he, because he hasn't seen it, I was like, I have it. When quarantine's done, you're coming over and we're watching it. Movie. It is such a good film. It really is. It really is. And, and, and a lot of people pan it, um, but it's, it's underweighted, underrated, in my opinion. Underweighted. What am I, Elmer Fudd? Be very, very quiet. Well, underweighted. Oh, it's underweighted. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we're going to uh, roll into the macabre, the horror, the horrific American werewolf in London. 1981, John Landis and this classic. My wife introduced me to this movie around the time we first probably like the first quarter of our relationship. And I was, I was such a good movie and it was, it was, it had its wit to it, but it was also pretty scary. And I wasn't used to Landis making a scary movie. I had seen blues brothers plenty of times growing up. So this was kind of threw me off guard, honestly, one for coming my, from uh, him. One of my best friends, he lives in Fargo. He was uh, one of my first roommates in my first 
apartment and he's a huge horror fan he does uh his own you know teeth effects he uses elginates and all that he's actually done one of the nazi werewolf costumes before he used you know special effects makeup and latex and all that to kind of make that was this the same friend yeah. that you showed me yeah. did the rorschach yeah. mask Actual, from like, watchman color changing okay uh, okay yeah you've told me about him before So uh, yeah I've, I've never been yeah. you know drawn toward the horror genre you know i uh, my my parents didn't really watch any of the either slasher flicks or even the thrillers you know so uh it was always kind of a genre i shied away from and then he kind of introduced me to the, the you know the concept of special effects makeup and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of how i like sort of started getting into horror was was more on like the special effects side of things um and so one of the first movies that he kind of made me watch he said was an american werewolf in london he said you know it's like the best werewolf movie and one of the best horror movies ever made and uh i totally agree and it still blows me away to this day the transformation scene that they do in that movie and you know when you go back and, and you mm-hmm. watch the the oh yeah your interviews with like rick baker and stuff who's, who's supposed to do all this and it's like oh what are the rules you know like uh well typically we only do things at night we do real close-up shots and they're really quick you know kind of like you know cuts and all that kind of stuff and john landis said no i want to do like a full body middle of the living room brightly lit transformation and they were like you can't do that and you know a lot of people may shy away from uh the the goriness of it or you know that kind of stuff but that's what fascinated me and kind of brought me in and um anyway Mm -hmm. i love that movie i think it's got a lot of quirkiness to it but uh yeah it's just like a a marvel of special effects makeup oh yeah oh yeah I don't think anything else tops that. The Howling is pretty good. Uh, I've seen it, but I was introduced to American Werewolf in London first. And so it gets the the spots in my heart. There you go. Now, I, I remember the part where he's laying in the bed and he just kind of, it, it, the edit just has it briefly. You can tell that it changes and he's in the makeup and he's just, at you. and I'm just like, oh my God, that was so good. Uh, but I, I, I love how that, that transition occurred because I think that was a dream sequence. If I remember it's correctly, his, it's been uh, a while. It's his first, seen it. it's his first um, full transformation is because he's he, in like the middle of the living room. And it, I think it's to, well, I'm oh, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking when he's yeah. in the hospital bed and he, or he's dreaming of a big hospital bed and he, uh, and he's, he's laying there. And then you, if, if, if you're really keen at seeing these things, you see the brief clip that the brief edit where it's changed. Cause like they did the shot of him being normal. And then they, they cut it just finely enough to where he's changed right there. And he kind of just awakens and looks at you with that, that pale face and the yellow eyes. And oh, that, that scene really jumped at me before seeing the transformation. And uh, I always, I always like that. I, I, I'm sure the transformation would probably be the part that you put in the ride too, if you had a, yeah, a part to put I in. I almost feel like you'd have to do like a stage stages or something, but you could also, there's a, great little sequence at the end with the uh the london underground and a, it's a guy like looking down the escalator and you see just the the creature kind of coming yeah. at you so um but yeah the, the transformation is pretty iconic i just love a lot of other you know little tidbits about the movie um again that i kind of had to learn so it was like a learning experience mm-hmm. to kind of get in you know introduced to the horror genre but yeah, the fact that like all the songs have the word moon in it, you know, blue moon, bad moon rising, all that kind of stuff. And then yeah, Michael <laughs> Jackson saw the movie and then was like, I want to hire that guy to do my thriller music video. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so then John Landis thriller ended up, uh, doing that. So, I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty cool movie and it's got my vote. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the werewolf costume has been used recently. I'm not sure if you caught it. You watched the show uh, that's based yeah. on the film What We Do in the Shadows, right? There's an Easter egg in episode in the first season because they just started their second season where uh, they run into a pack of werewolves. I'm just I, I, I there's a lot more detail I'd love to deliver right now, but I'm going to cut it short. In one of the scenes there, it's a werewolf versus vampire. I wouldn't call it a fight, but a duel, I guess. And the werewolf costume they use is very similar, if not a replica. I don't know if it's the same one, but it, they're 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 replicating the American werewolf in London that David Naughton, uh, his character was. Uh, so it, it's the same suit. I don't like I said. I don't know if it's replica. I don't know if it's same. Well, they did, did as much as they could, but it's supposed to be an Easter egg to American Werewolf in London. That that <laughs> I was really pleased as a film fan that they they had that Easter egg because the show is full of Easter eggs with vampires and and werewolves and all sorts of things that they've been doing. And I, I appreciate that they it's threw that little bit in there. Show. And yeah, we're, we're into se- the second season. So yeah, if you watch the it movie, really definitely first and foremost, watch the show. Also, they're not mutually exclusive. You can watch either one of them, but uh, best mm. imbibed if you enjoy both. I agree. I agree. And uh, on my list is what we do in the shadows. So maybe someday I'll, I'll talk more about that one. Cause it is highly underrated comedy. I guess you could say horror film. It's more definitely, definitely much more comedy than anything. It's a, uh, it's hilarious out of New Zealand. Um, so we're going to leave the horror area and uh, American world for London and go into drama and romance with Casablanca, which is, is already yeah. there. So hooray. Um, <laughs> I mean, just real quick, what else can you say about Casablanca? My my mom also grew up, her parents, her, her my mom's grandparents actually owned the uh, drive-in or the, the regular movie theater and the drive-in movie theater in her hometown. So she grew up watching all the older uh, movies from the 40s and 50s as well. So that's where I got my love for the, for the older black and whites and the noirs and that kind of stuff. Casablanca just kind of ranks as its own thing. It does. It does. And uh, Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. I love how you have I that notated. I do have it notated. Uh, <laughs> uh, many times at Movie Ride, you would tell me, Kingdom of Heaven, you need to see this movie if you have it, but you have to see the director's cut. You would always say that to me, and I would laugh because I'm like, the director's okay, cut okay, literally the has like, entire plot points uh, that are not in the theatrical version. Um, so it's uh it's very much like a character piece it's a character driven film it's ridley scott and he did this one right after he, he did gladiator mm-hmm. so he was like you know well i mean he's him and his director's like, cuts big, man big these big kind of epics and stuff like he's that. always but interestingly with kingdom of heaven they they you know sent the script to the studio for approval and the studio said because there's a there's an entire you know side plot uh with eva green's character she has a son in the theatrical version of the movie, she doesn't even have a child, but in the in the mm. director's cut, she does, and it's very important um, just in terms of the the, the storyline because it's about uh, one of the it's like the fourth crusade or something like that. So uh, Orlando Bloom plays a, a guy in the UK who uh, in England who gets found by his father Liam Neeson, who's been a crusader and has. Uh, a bunch of land in Ibelin, which is, I think, outside of Jerusalem. And so, uh, yeah, Orlando Bloom travels all the way there and um, meets Eva Green. Eva Green's character is the sister of the king of Jerusalem at the time. And um, it's all about basically trying to keep the peace in Jerusalem between the Christians and the uh, Muslims, the Islamic people who were there at the time, led by Salah Hadin. 
and uh, just a phenomenal movie. They got uh, a lot of mm-hmm. really big name actors f- from the Middle East to actually play, you know, Sal Hadin and the other uh, Muslim characters. And then you just have this phenomenal cast of Orlando Bloom, who is really unlike any other kind of movie he's done before. Um, but you also have uh, David Thewlis, who a lot of Harry Potter fans uh, will know him. He plays uh, Professor Lupin. Um, Yep. Yep. Um, and Wonder Woman too. Tons of other like Ridley Scott kind of staples. So people that you would have seen either in Gladiator or Black Hawk Down. Uh, Nikolai Custer Waldo. He's in Black Hawk Down, but he's in Game of Thrones as Jamie Lannister. Uh, Liam Neeson is in this movie, and it really is a full epic. Um, it's not as tight of a story as Gladiator, or as kind of emotionally resonant as Gladiator. But I just think it's a a really phenomenal movie, and it's kind of criminally underrated. So. The, the primary story is uh, a, a real person named Balian, who Orlando Bloom plays, uh, is the individual who actually transferred control of Jerusalem over to uh, the Muslims in the 12th century uh, at the time. And, uh, and that was a big deal because that whole area was, you know, going back and forth. And it's just a phenomenal time in history, really unique and interesting time in history as well. And I think that Ridley Scott just captured what it would have felt like to actually, you know, be there during that period of time. So big, huge, epic film. Uh, and yeah, if you've got the time, watch it. I think it's a, uh, it's really, really well made. I, uh, yeah. Two hours and 24 minutes, I think is just the theatrical version. So I, I bet the director's cut like yeah, three hours probably. <laughs> but there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a number of great scenes. <laughs> I've got no issue with here. Um, if you wanted to kind of represent like the drama stuff. So, um, Edward Norton uh, is in this movie as the uh, king of Jerusalem when, when the movie starts and also based on a real person, uh, the king of Jerusalem at the time was a leper and he wore bandages and he wore a silver mm-hmm. mask. And so Edward Norton's character wears this silver mask and Jeremy Irons is also in it. Uh, really phenomenal, powerful, powerful role. Uh, but anyway, there's a really just nice kind of scene of the three of them kind of talking about what it means to be a knight and what it means to be a good knight um, and, you know, just like protecting your people and, and that kind of thing. So good message. And I think that would be a fun, fun sequence to show. Well, as many times as you've told me I've needed to see this movie, I don't think I've still seen this movie, so I need to. I think you'll be, you'll be, uh, <laughs> you can tell me again. It. I think so. I think so. I, uh, I'm playing catch up during this downtime with the quarantine. I've watched plenty of movies I haven't seen yet. So that one's going to probably hit my list soon. But let's get on to your animated favorite toy story. That movie really changed animation, man. I still think it's ahead of its time. The original anyway. Oh, I agree. I, it, may, it may not hold up as well as some of the others, but, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. But I think when you look at the toys themselves and just the general interactions, environments, like they absolutely nailed that movie. It really blew me away at that Mm -hmm. time too you know like oh you can make an entire animated film on a computer you know i mean that was still revolutionary you know a revolutionary idea so the fact that they were able to do it and pull it off and you know since then now having worked for disney and um learned a lot more about the history of pixar and all that kind of stuff i mean now it's just like even more fascinating like i'm even more impressed by what they were able to do with that with that film when it first came out and how they could actually accomplish it. Um, so, you know, you look at Pixar, you look at the number of films that they've made and the number of iconic films that they've been able to, to, you know, put out since the early, you know, mid, mid to late nineties. And it's just absolutely bewildering 
the level of creativity and um, just sheer genius that it took to, to put these films together and Toy Story being the Kickstarter for that is, yeah, it's hard to, to, you know, not give this movie enough praise. I remember I, it came out right around my birthday in 95. So I was hitting 10 years old when it came out and I, I don't think I saw it in the theater. I can't remember if I did or not, but I remember all the toys that came out with this movie. And I was just in awe that it was a movie. You know, I, I was 10. This movie is about toys. What? Buzz Lightyear really was like the coolest and, toy yeah, ever they, when that came out. And they made like a movie version of him when it came out. And yep. I really wanted it, but it was, you know, it was expensive and it was 1995. So I was, I was 12. I don't think my parents oh, yeah. would buy it for me, but I actually, Disney now makes uh, those like these signature series versions. And when Toy Story 4 came out, they re-released mm-hmm. them. So I got for Christmas, I got Buzz Lightyear. So I've got Buzz Lightyear. Uh, Aaron actually has Jesse. And then, and then we also have Bullseye. So nice. I'm missing Woody. I don't know oh. how I don't have Woody, but I have Buzz Lightyear and he is the coolest toy ever. So <laughs> yeah, my wife and I, that was uh, a one thing that she was into growing up to Toy Story big time. Uh, she was a huge fan of Sid, actually, <laughs> and so she's got a shirt that she custom made with the with the skull on it from his, that he wore in the movie. And uh, <laughs> when we first started dating, uh, there was a picture of hers I came across that was her wearing the Sid shirt in front of Pizza Planet at Hollywood Studios. No, it's it's such a good movie. Uh, when four came out, I was kind of surprised because it was like we don't need this. We already had three that broke our hearts, man. And then four came out, and as unnecessary as it was, it was still a good movie. And I really enjoyed the uh, plushies, uh, the duck, and uh, the other uh, yeah. Key and Peele plush characters. They were, <laughs> they were something else, that, man. I almost kind of know already how it's going to make me feel, so I have to like mentally prepare myself for you know whether or yeah. not I'm going to go in and watch it, and we'll we'll it, get to it eventually. But I just still absolutely love that, yeah. that first one. It set a high bar. It really did, and the arc that those movies came through, man, something else. Uh, what Toy Story scene would you put on the uh, put on the ride or, or Fantasia, or you could put you know a couple. I think it'd maybe. be really fun to do like a recreation of. Uh, uh andy's bedroom um i do feel like it would kind of be ripping off toy story mid midway mania uh, though but <laughs> I, I was gonna so, say like in lieu yeah, of that yeah. it might be fun to do uh you could do like a giant version of the of the claw machine and so like as the vehicle comes through you're surrounded by like, <laughs> aliens buzz and what he could be in there too and the and the claw could be like the thing that comes down right coming. before you get into the final you know scene or whatever just kind of as you're passing through i think that'd be kind of a That'd be a unique sequence to put in. Make you toy-sized for for a few seconds. It would be really fun. Disney, if you're listening, we've got <laughs> ideas, man. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, too, since Toy Story lands right next door, and that's supposed to be Andy's Andy's room slash backyard or whatever, you should have uh, well, Sid, that's an idea. There's room. an idea. You could do that, that would be like, <laughs> with the Benford toolbox and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, maybe that should go yeah, under the have, horror have, part of the ride. Because I remember have sham or whatever is, you know, <laughs> I forget the persona he made. Yeah, yeah. His, his apron and his one arm. Yep, yep. Oh, so we're gonna ride into where Oz would be, and since comedy wasn't a big theme on the ride, I always use the Oz area to kind of bring in the comedy area, just so we can have a place to talk about it. And uh, your 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 favorite comedy is Pineapple Express, and I don't think that's appropriate <laughs> for the ride at all, but. 
we'll talk about it. <laughs> it's funny. So I, I was saying, you know, I was talking to you obviously before we really got started and I was saying like my, my top five of like all of, of a lot of these would kind of change, you know, movies coming in and out. And I wouldn't necessarily like say like, Oh, pineapple express is my oh, yeah. favorite comedy of all time or anything like that. But um, it is a hilarious movie. Like from the, from the moment it starts, like it starts with this hilarious moment of Bill Hader you know, who's like supposed to be smoking a joint for the first time. And, you know, he's in the army and they're trying to like be all serious about doing testing. And he's like, you know, pretending to be like jazz scatting, you know, 1940s kind of guy. Um, but then it jumps in. You've got you've got Seth Rogen, you've got James <laughs> Franco, who, you know, they've got amazing chemistry. They're hilarious by themselves and they're even funnier together. But the thing that I love about it is that they they become like these quintessential action heroes as the movie goes on. I mean, there's literally a, a, a massive gunfight at mm. the end of the movie where, you know, they're like 1980s commandos almost kind of thing. So it doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time, it kind of approaches the relationships and stuff in a very like authentic manner. So it's a, it's a really funny movie. It's quirky. It's hilarious. I think it's good. So check it out if you've never seen it. But uh, I understand it. It's probably not for everybody. <laughs> oh, no, not for everyone. But I, I can definitely say uh, uh, two more that you have on this list. Slapshot, which is a favorite of mine, and Spaceballs. I think Spaceballs would be an appropriate. I think so, too. It's, yeah, no. Hey, it could have some appropriate parts. Of, uh, amazing scenes that you could do. I think it'd be hilarious to to have an animatronic of dark helmet and Colonel Sanders where the tour guide and the two of them, they do like the, <laughs> yes. you know, he's like, Oh, space ball is the videotape. Well, we're looking at now, sir. You know, and it's the, they're, and they're watching the movie as it's playing out. You know, everything that's happening now is happening now. What happened to then? We missed it. When just now go back to then when we can't, why, you know? So I think it'd be funny if you could get the tour guide to sort of interact with that. <laughs> um, but there's, I, I, I would almost just picture like the bridge of, of Spaceball One, you know, the big the big spaceship, because that's where you've got just some of the more yeah. more funny uh, kind of interactions and stuff, especially with Rick Moranis as a as Dark Helmet. That movie just surprises me. I think every time I watch it, there's little things that you know, whether it's just like a a face a character makes in the background or something that will just set me off whenever I'm watching it, and also highly quotable. So. As far as a movie ride memory goes, uh, Jose Almeida, who I'm hoping is listening to these podcasts, he and I, I don't know that we really, he's, uh, he's I don't know be that a, he and I really had like a long conversation that didn't just devolve into quoting Mel Brooks movies. And, and young, young Frankenstein was typically <laughs> at the top of that list. So yeah, I, I, I would put it up there. And nice. If I had to put it in the ride, that's the one I would choose. That's, no, that would be a great spot too. Cause like you said, you know, we're in the movie. No, we're there. What? There. No, go back. What? No, there. <laughs> it would be funny. And then you have just the ship around you and then all the people at their consoles are looking at you like, And then, what? And then at would the be, end when you're ready to that go, would be pretty funny. ludicrous speed and that brings you into finale. Yes. But ludicrous speed is like <laughs> a mile per hour. <laughs> we get to redesign it. We can put in parts of the rock and roller coaster if we want to. We can, we can do whatever we want. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, we could go, we could go fast if we want to. We already had somebody go Back to the Future. We'll go eighty-eight miles per hour, but really just one. <laughs> oh man, we've gone to plan. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. So good, Dave. It was such a pleasure having you on the show, man. And uh, I feel bad. Gabe got pulled to another 
area but it's uh it's been wonderful talking about the movies and getting to talk about movie ride and reconnecting with that and uh can't believe that today is 31 years since disney's hollywood store mgm studios excuse me i keep calling it hollywood studios but mgm disney mgm and the great movie ride uh were brought to the world that's sad. I didn't get to see it till 10 years ago for the first time, honestly. You know, well, when we get into my other movies that have inspired me, so I got to go to Disney World for the very first time when I was um, about 10, 9 or 10. My, my mom brought my sister, my brother, and I each individually when we were around that age. And uh, of all the rides that literally just like blew me away, the great movie ride was always number one. And it was always the first thing I wanted to go and do. And mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah capturing movie magic like in real life like right in front of your eyes uh the 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 ride certainly did that so when i eventually uh, made it to disney and and found out that i was going a great movie ride it was literally a dream come true so uh happy to have been a part of its life and if i ever got a chance to reincarnate it i would probably think a lot uh harder about the movies that i would include <laughs> aside from just my list here so uh glad that i could be a part of it glad i could well, not just that I mean, flavor into what gmr uh, uh, might could be so no i i feel for the time that this ride released the movies were on point and i mean even to 2017 they were i just i i, I wish disney gave that ride more love it does it deserved more of an upkeep than it got and even with the tcm update and they added things in it needed it needed a little bit more flair that they weren't giving it and and now it's a railroad which you know i get it i get what they did but it's you know it'll always be near and dear to my heart i agree so. yeah i mean they they gave it a couple of coats of paint over its life cycle but uh yeah i think if they'd have done a, a full full recreation or, or kind of started uh from the ground up again but yeah it's, it's hard to beat i mean the, the thing was massive it was the size of two sound stages and you know you could have 14,000 people uh, a day come through on a busy day, something more, uh, depending on, on the day. And it survived for a long time uh, compared to a lot of other attractions. And I am I feel fortunate that I got to kind of say goodbye on my own terms. I, I left Disney about a year, uh, not even a year, I think, before they, they closed the attraction and announced that it was going away. So, uh, you know, it, I feel for the cast that were working and who just dedicated their spirits and, and everything else that they gave to the ride. It was one of the things that really made it what it was. Uh, it could have been very different if people, you know, treated it differently or, or behaved differently around it, but there was uh, definitely a spirit to it. That was the cast members that worked it and they could bring everything else uh, to life. Well, thank you again for joining us, Dave. And uh, thank you all for listening to the great movie radio show. Check out our new website, the new www.thegmrshow.com. Dave's pretty face will be joining the site shortly. Again, honestly, because you're on there under the crew because we're a voice talent. A different picture of your pretty face will be on there. And uh, so many, so many other things are on there. We have our wonderful sponsors who help bring our show to, to what it is. And with today being the 31st birthday, check out, it's small now, but it will grow. Uh, the archive, the pictures and memories that we're putting together for our 1989 to 2017 page 
that is uh, completely dedicated to the great movie right so check that out check us out soon we'll have another episode we don't know when yet but we wanted to have one celebrating to write today so thanks for listening and uh we'll uh we'll be with you all soon and be safe during this uh this time the great movie radio show is recorded in orlando florida you can visit our website at www.thegmrshow.com. Art direction and logo design provided by Mr. Bayless. Voiceover and intro work provided by Dave Feske and Joe Erickson. You can find our podcast on multiple platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. Music provided by the YouTube Audio Library. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search The Great Movie Radio Show or The GMR Show. This has been The Great Movie Radio Show. We hope you enjoy your day, and we'll see you at the movies. The stuff dreams are made of. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to a GMR Radio production.